Welcome to the OTL podcast. Some podcasts in this league manage to, to do this every week and I've been really struggling, which is why I've done some ex-player stuff because I think just to try and get content that's that, that, that's worth listening to, uh, we had to mix it up a bit. And we're going to go over the last few games. So joining me to do that are two absolute diehards. They've both just confirmed that they haven't missed a game yet, home or away, uh, from their own sofa this season. So with me, I've got Emma Quigley. Emma, welcome back. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us back on. It's been a crazy few weeks with uh, lots of games, I think. Um, try to keep track of them all and remember what happened when. We'll see, we'll see how we manage. And not only watching every game, but chronicling them with his, with his blog. Uh, Andrew Duffy, Andrew, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good, Colin. Very happy. Very right. happy after last night. Yeah, exactly. So we're recording just the, the evening after the Falkirk game. So um, it's improved the mood a lot. We'd planned this... Uh, podcast uh, as much you might not believe there's planning involved what we had but before the debatting game uh, when we expected it to be raking over the ashes of the season and and working out where we go to next but back-to-back wins I've got us sitting in fourth place and probably feeling on a, a relative high um, so it's inconsistent it's seven wins seven losses uh, one draw all over the place um, but but we're there and we're, we're still fighting to to make the top half and probably a decent time to, to look at it so we had quite good form until a break from football was enforced again. Uh, and we wouldn't do anything about what's it like to be back at football, what's it on live streams. <laughs> we'll never moan about football again because we know the answer to those things and we know that that's not true for the last one. Uh, but the forum before the break was good. We went into the break. Um, Stuart Miller left the club as director of football, which I think took most people by surprise because there wasn't any suggestion that was coming. Uh, signed Kyle Turner, which well, signed Kyle Turner in a deal which saw Kyle McDonald, who'd already signed for Dunfermline but was supposed to be on loan for the rest of the season, uh, go there early, but in return get this player who had been Championship Player of the Month in November, so looked a really interesting signing, and we probably had bigger issues at midfield than we had at fullback. Uh, however, post the break with three defeats on the bounce. Um, the, the signing that we got all excited about and who I'd put my hand in my pocket to, to sponsor lasted four minutes in his first game and kicked, of all people, uh, Ryan Conroy, who I would just have left well, well alone. Um, and and yeah, a, a defeat there. You're then missing him for two games because it was violent conduct against Partick Thistle. The game was probably already gone, but Crichton does something similar and he's missing for two games. You start to look at a team with a makeshift defence, uh, and yeah, we'll lose to, to Cove as well on the back of that. So let's try and break it down more than that. What's, what went wrong after the break? Emma, you've, you've said you've got a couple of pages of notes in front of you, but it's, but it's not easy. Where do, you think, where do you think it went wrong? I wish I knew. I think, if, I think that if we could all answer that question. Um, I'm not really sure where it went wrong. I think um, as, as almost you have to look at each maybe game in isolation. Obviously, we didn't go off to the, the best start against Peterhead descending off. Um, you know, I'm not going to have a lot of hard time over it. You know, it's, it's kind of done. And, you know, but we obviously started that game essentially with, with, with 10 men and, you know, probably did the best we could in those circumstances. You know, we shot ourselves in the foot from the start. You know, I think for me, I'm just, I think I was just disappointed because I kind of felt like 
you know, going out against the first couple of games would really set the stall for how, you know, we're going to approach this run in and, and how we're going to approach the playoffs. And I think I was just coming out the Peterhead, the Thistle and the Cove game, just really kind of disappointed and kind of down about it, really. Um, I just felt like I didn't see what I'd hoped I was going to see in terms of just hitting the ground running. And then obviously we, we had Kyle come in, Kyle sent off, he missed two games. Um, we brought Peyton in and then he was injured and then he went out and then Sean had his sending off as well. So, and I think it's just been a typical Airdrie roller coaster start to the to the kind of games kicking off again. Um, and it just seems to be the way that whenever the pressure is really, really on is when we then start to pull the results out of the bag. You know, obviously, I'd say we're pretty evenly matched against Dumbarton and, you know, luckily, really nice bit of play between, I think it was Thompson and Roy to get to get the goal that made the difference. And then last night was just a kind of great overall team performance. But it just feels like we have to put ourselves through these Peterhead, Thistle and Cove performances to get there. And I don't know why that is. Andrew, you force yourself to look at these things in a bit more depth to, to do the blogs. So what do you reckon? Can you put your finger on anything other than, than bad luck and bad discipline? You know, it's funny, yeah, speaking of depth, I think it's fairly simple. I think Emma's hit the nail on the head, really. It's the red card. It's the red card four minutes into that game at Peterhead, which was, as Emma points out, a great chance to hit the ground running in the restart. Um, albeit it was away from home, it was the team we'd started against at the start of the season. I reckon, um, I mean, we're looking back on this in hindsight now, right? But Turner clearly makes us a better team. We can see that already um, in his performances. He's so neat and tidy in the middle of the park, keeps ticking over, good at retaining possession. I don't think we lose that game if he's on the park for the 90 minutes or the majority of the game. Um, I certainly don't think we lose that match. We could very well have still lost to Thistle and Cove, but you look at the table now, the three points that we could have got or point at Peterhead would have put us in a much better position. I really think it does boil down to that crazy, over-eager, keen moment when he just kind of loses the head and takes Conroy out right at the right at the touchline, right in front of the dugouts. Um, a challenge that he didn't need to make. I don't think we lose that game if he's on the park for the whole match. I think it's probably fair to say we'd be prepared. You'd probably have been prepared to lose points either against Thistle and Cove or one of the two. But if you'd won that game, then I don't think we'd probably have been feeling as tearing our hair out as we have been. Or certainly maybe some of the probably perceived negativity that there has been. Yeah. What I was going to question, again, it's not aged well between planning and, and actually sitting down, but it's the the squad's quite big, but it's whether or not, the, so it's got the depth, but it's whether it's got the strength and depth. Uh, and I feel quite sorry for uh, Harlan and Bayo, but he uh, he obviously just doesn't seem to be trusted. I mean, we've lost Josh Kerr, who could have filled in at centre-half. Uh, going into the games without Crichton, uh, I think that the plan was probably to pull... Peyton back, uh, but then he gets injured in the warm-up, so so more bad luck. And it's just strange that you've, you've signed that guy specifically to play that position. 
We saw him in one of the friendlies against Albion Rovers. He looked quite good. Looking at the season, Albion Rovers had that maybe doesn't tell you that much, and um, but he's just not got on on the pitch again. Now I would have put I would have put O'Reilly and Thompson into the same uh, same category of they're there. They've been signed their full time. Are they good enough? Um, O'Reilly's looked about the best player in the last couple of games. So so maybe it hasn't aged that well. But we looked really threadbare. And I actually went into the Dumbarton game when the the team news comes out on Twitter. I was looking at like the bottom row of the pictures and thinking they were all either in their first senior season or their second senior season. And I wasn't confident at all going into that game. Um, so, and, and throughout all that mix, I've uh, spoken to Paul Lover in the day before the Dumbarton game and, and kind of his views on football and thinking about the team that got us out of this league. And when we come back as Airdrie United, would we be better just signing hardened players players for this league what um air united did to get promotion what livingston did to get promotion uh, rather than taking a punt on some guy in ukraine who you've only seen a video of um so i, I don't it's still a, an open question i've got in my mind of is the approach right of signing these young guys uh, if you want to get out of the league uh, and and i don't know we'll, we'll find out and we'll find out in about six weeks time um but yeah i don't know the, the squad's the squad's big but do we think it's big and good? Andrew, I'll throw that one to you first. Um, I think there is there is a mixed bag in that very kind of large, um, saggy bag that we've got <laughs> of, of a squad. Um, guys like Bale, I mean, he's still, correct me if I'm wrong, a very young footballer. Yep. No, I think oh, I think you're talking 22, maybe, something like that. So, so but, but, but the senior standard's young, yeah. Yeah, even still... You look at the difference in O'Reilly when he gets a few games, even though the first couple of games that he got in this run, we were losing them. Um, he, particularly in the Thistle game, looked dangerous and looked good, and he's coming on to a game more and more. Young players need to play football. Um, so guys like Bale, I don't think, especially centre-half, I don't think you're going to know much about whether a centre-half is going to make it in the game or not when they're 22, especially if they're not playing. Um, but that being said, I wouldn't have him, you know, am I confident he can fill in when Crichton's out or Fordyce is out? At the moment, no, but what kind of contract did we sign him on? Did we sign him on a two-year deal, a three-year deal? Is the idea to develop him and bring him on? Because Crichton and Fordyce are not going to be um, evergreen. So there are clearly, when you're at this level and when you're a club, like ours, I don't think there's anything wrong with having some development projects as players. That's the level we're at. And we've moved a lot of decent talent on the last couple of seasons. So that's the that's the difficulty when you've taken that approach is that you're going to have young and experienced players, some of whom might not be ready and able to step in if first team football and be like for like replacements but I suppose that's the chance we're taking with this approach <sighs> with a fully fit squad to play for to pick from particularly when you've got Turner and Peyton to add to it I do think we've got a strong squad um, it is a blow losing care but then Peyton fills in or Turner fills in where um, where care was so yeah I think with everybody available you've got a good squad with some good options on the bench, but when the injuries pile up and the suspensions pile up, 
you start to realise that it's maybe numbers of players, but not necessarily number of quality players. Yeah. What would you reckon, Emma? Because one of the things that struck me in this run uh, was just how much of a Rolls Royce Peyton looked against Partick Thistle in defeat. Still looked, I'd, you could even say he's best player on the park, despite the fact he was on the, the losing side from some really bad defending. So. I think what's in my mind is why do we not just go out and sign guys like that rather than t- why why do you even take the risk on Thomas Robert, Josh Kerr, who's who's looked much better in his second season? Um, but if we want to get out of this league, are we better just to try and get guys who are tried and tested and we know can do it? The debate that I have quite often actually with um, my dad and, and my brother as well, obviously who've come to the games with us, you know, we've for a long time you know, always thought that the way to get out of this league is you need to you need somebody in charge and you need players on the park that know the league, that know how to play it and can get you out and they've got a track record of getting you out. Um, you know, that being said, I'm, I think, as, as Andrew said, I'm not against having some young players in the squad and, and looking to, to develop them on where you can, but it doesn't really serve anybody um, you know, as we've, as we've seen, when you have injuries and you, ha- and you have red cards, if you've got these young guys on the bench and, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they're, they're not trusted or they're not ready to, to come in. So yeah, it's, it's a very fine balance you've got to find. But I would always go with, you know, a core of a team on the park that knows the league and can get you out over too many developments and taking too many chances on people that, you know, that you don't know or that, as you said, you've maybe only seen in, in clips. Um, another part of that as well is when you have a lot of these young young guys, and I think Ian Murray's maybe addressed this before in, in some of his post-match interviews, you know, you've got to kind of look after them as well. You know, they are very young players and you've got to be careful not to expose them to maybe to situations that they're not ready or not able to handle. Um, you know, we've seen how difficult it can get quickly with just a couple of bad results and, and the pressure's on, so it's a hard balance, but I would always go with experience and, you know, the track record of getting out of the league over experimenting too much. And maybe we've just gone that bit further. And, and we can see, we've seen obviously Kyle uh, Turner playing and we've seen Paul Payton playing. We've not seen them together yet, <laughs> which I think was obviously the aim of, of bringing them in was that they would be in there together. So uh, hopefully, um, I know Ian did hope to have them back for, Montrose game on Saturday, whether he'll be fully fit. So I'm kind of quite excited and looking forward to seeing how that works out. Yeah, I think that is an exciting part, especially because it's not that long ago they were playing together in, at Dunfermline in the Championship. So um, they, they should uh, be able to function as a midfield. Midfield two, weakest point in our team since Murray took over, before Murray took over. So um, fingers crossed he's back fit on, on Saturday and we can really kick on. Right. The happy bit is that we have got back-to-back victories and a lot of those young guys have stood up to the test. Uh, last night, you look at a team that's got Richie starting, Ali Roy starting, um, and went out and, and I think were good value for their win. So within the victories then, what what, what are our hot takes on that, Emma? The, the, the defeats were difficult to explain. Are the victories any easier? I thought we just last night, every player just seemed... Up for them, it was just one of those nights where things have gone against us in the past. I think everything just clicked for us last night. I think, kind of, when I was watching it last night, I thought, you know, it was like the first 20 minutes of the Thistle game, and I kind of thought this looks really good, but we actually managed to 
you know, sustain it, I would say, for, for more of the, the 90 minutes. Um, I thought we moved the ball much better. I thought we passed it much better than, than we have done. Um, I thought Ali Roy looked great coming back into the team. Um, you know, it was great for him getting his getting his goal, you know. But I think, you know, Curry's saving the penalty, you know, the um was obviously getting one at the other end and managing to put it away. It just one of those nights where it went right. I think you and O'Reilly, I think as you touched on earlier, is just coming on to a great game at the moment and that's it's really good to see. Um I know when he, we first came in, um was last well the break, but last season, the start of last season and then obviously back to St. Johnson and I think he's worked through some injuries and it's just I thought he had a great game last night. Um, you know, gave them all kinds of trouble. So I think as much as maybe things have gone wrong, things just went right for us. Um I mean I did have a worry when they equalised and I thought oh, I hope it's not a repeat of Thistle where you know maybe the heads go down and we lose the composure. But we didn't do that. You know, we kept going and we, we kept going in the second half and I think, yeah, I think we were we were good for the win. I think they deserved it. And I think, you know, as much as many people have been critical, I think they deserve all the, the praise they're getting for it. You know, what I've seen certainly kind of last night and today. Andrew, I've seen you on Pine Bovril. I'm not sure what the, the opposite of magnanimous in, in victory is. <laughs> you enjoy it, Andrew? Yeah, quite. I think we were more than entitled to do that after the horror show of the first three games. Um, aye, magnanimous isn't really my style. <laughs> Well, especially against a team like Falkirk, it's just, it's like, why would you not throw fuel onto that particular fire when those fans are going tonto? No, I thought um, it was a fabulous result. And as Emma points, it was a rousing 90 minutes. There were lulls in the game where, unsurprisingly, Falkirk were having the better of it, um, particularly um, in the lead up to when they got their penalty. We were flagging a wee bit and they got a penalty at a time where I thought if they score, we won't come back from it because we were starting to look a wee bit out of it, having put a lot into the game and been um, really decent. But no, as Emma says, everything did click in that match. We can perform like that and we'll beat any team in this league. We, we proved that last night by beating what have been up till now the best team in the league. It's self-evidently you know, something that is within us. We did look well-drilled. We held our shape for most of the game. And we get caught in the break a few times, but that's going to happen. We moved it well, as Emma pointed out. We created chances, and most of the defending was pretty decent. Um, although a lot of the time they were playing into um, the strengths of Crichton and Fordyce. And it was a lot of meat and drink for them at times, and which which helped us. They didn't get us turned and running towards our own goal a lot. They let us get back into shape, which helps. But no, I thought it was very, very reminiscent of last season when the going was good. Certainly that original spell was it through November, December um, last season when we looked good. That's what it reminded me of, where every player was right at it, where we were on people's toes when they had the ball, when we put them under pressure. And that sort of high-tempo, kind of combative, zesty football that when it works for Murray makes us look like a quite dangerous outfit, like a very big appetite kind of outfit. I was I was really pleased with it. I thought we more than merited the win in the end. I agree. Uh, it's then hard to work out why, because this is since the last time we did a proper football podcast. Uh, how could that be the same team that played against Edinburgh City in the Cup and just didn't look anything? Um, so, you, so you beat the best full-time, bigger budget than your team in, in, in League One, but 
Edinburgh City who are no great shakes but have been us twice and we've not really laid a glove on them um, so, so that leads in nicely to uh, the manager so his, his contract's up at the end of the season post the Cove game I think the, the fans were I mean you say high high percentage very critical of him I looked with myself in, in that and kind of seen his position as being untenable so it is, it is a crazy league but two two wins later and we're sitting in, in fourth position albeit some teams in, behind us have got games in hand with that kind of background do, do you think that he's done enough to merit an extension of, of this project uh, so uh, I think it's, it's I, mean, I think it's worth saying that of all the teams in the championship and league one I can think of very few who uh, at the moment, we'll probably be singing the praises of their, their, their manager. I saw someone on the Airdrie Head and Pine Ball Road today saying uh, they'd looked at Montrose and Falkirk and, uh, and Cove, and actually, we were ours was light hearted banter towards Murray compared to what other managers were getting. So, Emma, what's your, what's your thoughts on, on the manager? Has, has, has he shown you much in the, the very strange tenure that he's had uh, to make you think that we should continue with him? Yes, it's actually funny you should say that because I did my own, I did a bit of looking myself at what other fans were saying and you know and how they were feeling about their respective performances. And I thought, you know, we sometimes as Airdrie fans get made to feel that we're, we're worse than anybody else, but it's actually quite tame <laughs> compared to what some what some other yeah, people are saying about their, their, their managers. Um, I don't know. I, I struggle with this one, and it's probably the one question for the you know podcast tonight that I've been trying to, to balance up. I think. Um, like the irrational side of me, you know, coming out of the, the kind of three defeats had just had enough, you know, and just thought, I just don't see, given the performances, where, where the next win's going to come from. Um, and that's maybe just been, probably been really unfair when you consider that we have, have Cove, Thistle and Falkirk. I suppose out of the, the games that we've restarted, the Peterhead one was a real disappointment. He's not really had a full season. You know, we have had, obviously, the kind of came in halfway through the season and then we had the shortened season with COVID and then we've had this kind of stop start to the season so he's, you know it's probably fair to say he's not had you know a season's run but also you know I still think we should probably have seen more progress than we have even even under under Ian since he's come in at the end of the day you know the goal for this season was the playoffs you know, and we're sitting in that spot right now. And despite, I guess, all the, the ups and downs of the season, we've always been within touch and distance of them. So, you know, I think he's, he's not going to go anywhere between now and the end of the season. So I think, you know, I just have to reserve judgment and just see whether we reach the playoffs and what the outcome of that is. But obviously, if, if we don't reach them or if we don't, you know, promotion doesn't happen, then I think it's probably time to, to cut ties um, and, and, and go for someone else. Um, if we do make them, we do get promoted. I guess I worry seeing that the, the inconsistency and the kind of performances that we can expect this kind of Jekyll and Hyde team, how that would fare in a higher league. So if Judy's out for me, I guess. I don't know. But probably, probably if I had to choose, cut ties, I think, at the end of the season. Andrew, you said when we were having chats before, uh, before this, you thought you were probably... Uh, and the more positive end of the spectrum for for Murray than than most fans. So I, I've been watching loads of American sports stuff on 
Netflix all the way through lockdown, they always talk about the project. So the project at Airdrie, what, what do you see is progress that has been made or stuff that can give us hope? Okay, no, that's that's a fair question. I suppose, first of all, you would ask, are we better than when he came in? And I would say that we are. I'd say we are better, at least on the park, than we were when he came in. That's not necessarily saying much because we were pretty diabolical when he came in. And although he got us a bit more organised to start with, we still finished out with the playoffs at the end of that season. When he, when he did have, what, half a season or so to to get us up there and then we lost that game at home to Steny 1-0 and that that did for us but I think on the whole we're a better side than when he came in his win rate um, according to sources on the internet um, is 44% as the Airdrie manager um, that's including last night so that's better than Findlay better than Wilson better than Molecki Black better than Bowling better than Boyle better than Sandy Stewart, better than Kenny Black, albeit not all of those were at the same level, level yeah. of football. Um, Wilson obviously did make the playoffs that season, but I think last season in particular, and also this season to a lesser extent, this league is a lot stronger than it was then. Looking at what Wraith are doing this season in the division above, um, they're with more or less the same team, you look at Falkirk last season, I think they're stronger than anything that had been in the division those previous years. So ultimately, I think that we have done better against better um, this season and last season than Murray's immediate predecessors were managing. So that's got to be taken into consideration um, this season, you know, and last season, you get strong teams like Cole, uh, like Montrose, like Cove this season. Um, East Fife had a good season last season. You've got full-time Thistle as well this season. Yeah, so for me, we look better against better. But ultimately, I, I've got to agree with Emma in the the result of it. The target for this season would surely be the playoffs. Um, and the ambition would be to go up. So... I'd persevere with him if we finish top four. And if we don't, I wouldn't. I think it, that can seem quite um, quite cutthroat, I suppose, if it's if it's a very narrow margin. But that has to be the, you know, if we, if we fall short narrowly in the playoffs of going up, I think it would be a bit silly uh, to bend the guy in those circumstances. If we were to make a good account of ourselves, having gotten there on this kind of bonkers stop-start season that we've had, having been in the playoff spots when things get stopped last season, um, then I'd evaluate that as being on par. I would evaluate that as being what we would expect for for a season, all things considered. Um, meeting expectations, essentially, if we finish in the top four and don't go up. If we go up, I would say that would exceed expectations. That's the aim. That's the ambition, but I would say it's unfair to expect that going into this season or last season. So personally, I would resent being punted for that in my work um, and feel that I was justifiably hard done by in those circumstances. Um, you look at Falkirk and Thistle, they should have ran away with this league and left eight teams scrapping for the other two playoff spots. Um, so you would look at those teams 
a bit silly to say that given the Falkirk talk, but you know what I mean with the the difference of expectations. Those teams are performing below what you would expect, particularly Thistle. Um, and we don't obviously have their budgets. So yeah, winning the league should be our ambition. Top four should be our expectation. So purely on that basis, it comes down to how the rest of this season goes. We finish top four. I would persevere. I'd give it one last year to see if we can make a better fist of it in a, what you would expect would be a proper season. You know, Emma was talking about that earlier on that yeah. all things considered, he's not had a full normal pre-season complete run of league games uh, to judge on. On that basis, if we get top four and don't go up, I'd persevere. If we get top four and go up, I would definitely persevere. Although Emma's right, the Jekyll and Hyde streaky good games, bad games, disappearing games run could make the division above an, an absolute um, hellish turmoil of an experience. But that's what it boils down to for me. My view is it is down to that. Well, what's the what's the program here? And if we anything's possible at the moment, sorry, we might not even make the top half of this league. Depends how the next three games go. So it's a really difficult time to make a call on it. But my my thoughts have moved to we should be saying how do we get out of this league? Because I think we're all sick of it, and I don't think this signing young guys with potential. I think it's one of the most difficult things to do in football. To, to nail that all the time uh, and I would rather see us try and be the top part-time team in the country and I don't see why Airdrie, given where it's positioned geographically, the fan base that we've got is daft as that, that sounds because it's it's not massive but it's bigger than, um, I'd say it's bigger than ours and it's bigger than our broths that's a realistic aim to be getting the best part-time team in Scotland and looking for, looking to win the league, like uh, Dick Campbell managed to do and I think a real hardened team of excellent part-time players could have done this year with how up and down everybody else has been but that's it's easy to say uh, very easy to say whether or not you can do that but I, I think at that point I don't think Ian Murray's the the man because I think he is a, a modern coach and he would want the contact time with the players that he's got in this hybrid model where he can train with them every day I think you would be looking at someone more like a, a authoritarian Dick Campbell, John McGlynn type figure. Uh, John McGlynn's full-time and, and got Ruth Rovers playing lovely football, but I do see him as like a more of an old-school gaffer and the kind of stories you hear of uh, his teams sitting in video sessions for three hours on a Monday and absolutely no nonsense is, is tolerated. Uh, I, I just uh, I feel that might be more likely to have success up against... Because you've mentioned, like, we've got Thistle and, and, and Falkirk down just now. One of them might well, <laughs> Thistle might, might, might even go further down the way that they're going at the moment. You're going to have Queen's Park up. I guarantee you're going to have Queen's Park up. Uh, and they've got more money than us. And they're going to be full-time. And they're probably going to be signing a better calibre of full-time player. So you then need to be a really excellent coach to... Out, well, maybe not with Ray McKinnon, but you need to uh, tactically outmaneuver whoever it is that's in charge of, of Queen's Park, especially if they've got more money than you. So well, I just see that as, as being a massive challenge. Are you going, Emma? No, of course, it's interesting to see that as well, because another consideration, you know, when you're talking about budget is, and I appreciate what Andrew's saying, 
when he's saying, you know, maybe maybe keep him on if if, if we get to close and even if we just lose out, that that might be quite a hard sell to the fan base, you know, that are looking to maybe hopefully post renew season tickets and get back to the football next season if if they're if we do fall short again. And I don't know how much a consideration that might be, you know, for getting the fans back and, and getting them infused if if they're just not on board with keeping them on. This is another consideration. Yeah, and it might be Ian Murray decides that you know what, uh, maybe Jack Ross offers him a training, a, a coaching position at Hibs, and that's more up his, his street than, than than trying to win because that's what he'll be doing to to stand out. He really needs to win the league or get damn near close to it. I mean, he he will defend his record and say I had them sitting third last year behind uh, Raith Rovers and Falkirk. Uh, I've got them sitting. And this is where we don't know how this will end up, but fourth at the moment, ahead of ahead of Partick Thistle, and everybody thinks Ian McCall's a good coach. So, wh- why is my record so bad? Uh, and and he obviously was linked with their job. I suspect he did speak to them, so he's maybe looking for opportunities elsewhere as well. So, I think it's a I think it's a harder one to solve than uh, than get Ian Murray out and get who in to do the same thing under the same system. I think you need to have a, a review of how are things going. And who's got out of this league before? What did they do? How do we how do we think we crack it? Especially with Stuart Miller uh, moving on as well, and yeah. um, the, the 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 model must be changing. So so how are we scouting players for next year uh, when we don't have a director of football? If that's not what Ian Murray was doing before, yeah. No, I think that's that's fair, and I think the contract situation is going to give us a a good chance to do that come the end of the season. Presumably, there's, there's not going to be a renewal until we know where the chips have fallen at the end of this season. And there will be an opportunity for the board to consider things like, will the fans accept it if we extend this contract? Or are they are they fed up? And at times, we've got justification for being fed up because there's been times where it's been really stinking. But we're not going to know that at that point. It does give them a good opportunity to review everything that they're doing, especially, like you say, with Stuart Miller being away. It's it's very different come the end of this season than it was, say, the start of last season. Yeah. So it will be a good opportunity to to make those reviews. What worked and what got us out of what got teams out of the division a few years ago won't necessarily get you out of the division now. It, it has changed and it's changing again. Queen's Park coming up, potentially Edinburgh City coming up. Teams like Cove, you don't know who. I mean, Queens Park will be another full-time club in the division. You would presume it, it is changing. What it takes to go up will obviously, like night follows day, change as well. Yeah. Well, it gives a good opportunity. The fact that the the contract situation is as it is, to have a review to say how are we, what are we looking to do, how are we going to do it, how will that go across with the fans. And all of these are sort of unknowable right now, or some of these are unknowable, because ultimately we're fickle, and our opinion will be largely determined by the results come the end of the season. My hope and expectation, just because of how it's been watching football from the couch, is that as soon as they allow us to go, we'll be there in big number regardless, just to be able to go to the football again. But maybe Emma's right. If the fans aren't having it, 
then the prospect of returning to the stadium might not be enough to pull them through regardless to go to the games. And if that's the case, the football club needs to make the decision then. You know, if it becomes obvious that season tickets won't get renewed, that attendances will drop, then the marginal but significant improvement that I believe there's been since he came in isn't worth that. It doesn't justify it. At that stage, you'd have to pull the trigger. But at least now, this season will finish, his contract will run out, and a decision can be made for all parties about what we're looking to do going forward, what Ian might want to do going forward, because like everybody in the business, he, as you say, he'll be ambitious um, and want to develop and want to progress. So maybe it will be a, a fairly big summer, one way or the other. And I agree, it's hard. I mean, to keep the lights on for teams at our level must be a challenge at the moment. Uh, players in a fur- into furlough, out of furlough. Uh, I mean, they did a bit of press about, oh yeah, the players are all looking in great shape, but it's like a boxer before a fight. You've never heard the boxers had a bad training camp. It's always going great. Then you lose, you lose the first three games and you, uh, you do wonder. But it, uh, they've got my sympathy for it. It's not easy to run a football club at the moment. I think you're right about the the launch. I think that's going to be all important of when we can get back. So again, in today's news, there's going to be what, 12,000 of the Euros games at Hamden. So translate that, that's, that's 2,000 in our stadium if you take that as being about 20% uh, of capacity. So like that's fine. That's obviously fine. Let's, how can that's you plenty. Launch, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have two games on. Uh, how can you launch with enough of a bang to try and get people back out? And that's what, that's what I would love to see um, because I'm desperate to, to sit the football with my dad and my brother. Um, been, been far too long since I've seen them both at the the one time. So um, there's, I think there is an opportunity there, uh, and I don't. And we are fickle. I think if the communication is done in the right way of what the plan is for next season, then the fans are more likely to get behind it. But I think it needs. It probably does need a bit of communication at this point. Emma, communication was your uh, is your day job. So what do you reckon? Is it is there something in that? Can, do we need just a bit of clarity on how how do we go forward from here? I think so. I think it would have been nice to come back after the, you know, after the after the, the break and maybe just, and just lay out maybe what they were hoping to achieve, you know, between obviously now and the end of the season and, and how we were maybe just, just a kind of general how, you know, how we were coping, like you said, it's difficult rather than a football club, you know, the, the relationship with fans needs to be built and earned, you know, it's, it's not just given and I don't think we get that much really out of the club at the moment and um you know, I certainly find it a little bit frustrating at times that, you know, there's obviously, I've probably said maybe a bit of a, a disconnect between club and fans and obviously we're not, maybe, well, maybe we're happier now after the Falkirk game and um, I'd just like to hear a bit more, you know, I think when losing Stuart Miller, I think we've lost that because obviously Stuart was, you know, quite good at communicating and I know he came onto the podcast a couple of times Um but I think that I think what needs done to build that back up again and start to build that relationship, particularly if you know we do go forward and you know Murray's still here next season, you know we're going to need to you know we need to get people on board with that. And I think we just need to start looking at maybe just building that bridge again or getting somebody in that can yeah. that can be that role because we've lost it. And I think. Just- just honesty and transit. Don't I think football fans are written off as 
not being intelligent enough or not being able to understand things, just come out and tell us what the what hole in the business plan the last eighteen months has made, how we how you, what the club needs to do to to be sustainable, and then how you try and build a successful football program on top of that. I think that, that, that it'd be easier for fans to buy into that if you give them that information. Uh, which, yeah. Went back and looked at Club 1924, and we were offered, you know, exclusive Q and A's, and you know, ex- with the director said, and I appreciate COVID's put an end to that, but there's no reason why you that you can't have Q and A's with your fans and, and regular newsletters and answer their questions and, and put that information out there. No reason whatsoever you can't do that. Yeah, right. and we all we've been through a liquidation. We know what it's like, so we. We just, want, we just want like having a team, especially on the back of all of this. And I don't expect us to win the league. I think that's, that's got to be the aim every year. And I'm not convinced that we're anywhere near it at the moment. And that's why I think maybe a change is as good as, as anything else. But ultimately, if they do that and it, and it fails, as long as they, I, don't, I don't expect suddenly if, if Falkirk stay down to, to go out and beat them next year or Cove or Queen's Park. It's just about... Uh, being clear about how we're going to try and do it and, and trying to get everybody enjoying the, the, the matches as much as they can. So um, there's no there's no silver bullet. I don't think there's any easy answer to it. Um, I, we've seen the last few games, a couple of it, you, you've seen what looks like a brilliant midfield and we've not had them starting together in the park yet through through injury. So a, a lot of it's down to luck uh, as well. You need to, I think when next season comes, we want to try and bring everybody with us, you know, club and fans. So they, they do need to look at how they're going to do that. Yeah, whether that's um, with the current manager, the same the same rules apply if it's a new manager, because you don't yep. know who that will be. You don't know if that will be a popular appointment, a um, completely out of left field appointment who no one knows anything about, or an appointment that people aren't happy with. So whatever they do, they're going to need to launch a sort of kind of new direction or a flat out explanation of what they're doing if it's a continuation because even a continuation you've got to answer the questions about whether someone will be coming in to do whatever it was that Stuart Miller was doing or whether that those kind of tasks those kind of responsibilities are being folded in to someone else's role yeah. and being picked up elsewhere whether there's going to be an assistant manager um, never mind a manager those kind of things will need to be set out regardless of whether the the manager is the same person or not, those those kind of messages are still going to come out. I don't know how to react to Stuart Miller even because it was never entirely clear to me what he was doing. There was a lot of rumour and conjecture about Stuart Miller's role um, amongst the fans, but it, it was never exactly clear. There was never a an interview or a clarification or a Q&A saying Stuart's going and his responsibilities will be taken up by X, Y and Z until the end of the season when we will do this to get such and such in to pick up that job again. We don't know if they're going forward with that model or not. So all those things will need to be laid out and you're hoping that they'll be laid out with a bit more clarity and transparency than they have been up till now. Because who's picking up the the work that uh, Stuart Miller was doing? We, We really don't. No. And these are not unreasonable questions for fans to want answers to. It's all perfectly legitimate things that, you know, people want to know. 
I agree. Right, let's start for a bit of fun because we'll definitely get it wrong, but let's try and <laughs> make some predictions. So uh, you can give a yes or no, or you can give up, it might be better to give a percentage. Top five, we're going to finish top five. I'll go first. I'm 80% certain uh, that I think we can after last night and the games that we've got coming up make top five. Although I think that absolute kingpin and all that is the game against Montrose on Saturday. Andrew, top five, yes or no? Or are you going to put a number on it? I've put a number to all of them, yeah. Top five, 85%. I'm 85% sure we will be in the top five. Emma? I have put 50-50 between <laughs> us and East Fight. I think my top five, I think Falkirk, Cove, Montrose, Thistle will get there. And I've put 50-50 between us and East Fife. Yeah, I think it's a bit of recency bias and, and we played well last night, so that's why my number's so high. <laughs> do, you know, do you know, there's always a joke in my family that whenever I get too enthusiastic, we crash terribly, so I'm trying to. I'll, I'll be more measured in the hope that, and the hope that the opposite will happen. If I lived on it, Play, <laughs> playoffs, which isn't too different a, a, a question, but um, so we there's going to be four games post the top is the top bottom split. Our record against everybody except Falkirk isn't great, so I'm less confident. I'm going to even say forty percent. I've got a horrible feeling that we'll continue this finishing in the positions where nothing happens to you at the end of the season, which is quite hard to do in this league. So I'm down to 40. Andrew? Um, yeah, so obviously someone in the top five is going to miss out. So whilst I do think we'll get in the top five, I'm less confident that we'll be in the top four. Uh, although I think I've got the exact same who will be the top five as, as Emma's laid out. Um, Airdrie Falkirk, Cove, Thistle, Montrose. But I reckon, I'll, I reckon it'll be Montrose that miss out on the top four, ultimately. So I'm going to say 75%. I'm putting 75% of the top being the top uh, Right, Emma. You, you're just so I'll just make that. sure I'm writing, <laughs> I'm writing 75% down so that I can, uh, I can bring that back later. <laughs> um, oh no, well, I've, I mean, I sat before the four came on and I've looked at everybody's run-in to this and it's helped me not a jot. I still can't figure it. I still can't settle on it. I think we'll miss out I do think we'll miss out um, only just because I do not have confidence in our consistency um, I'm looking at East Fife and Thistle they've got games in hand, I think they're both playing tomorrow night so maybe once we know the outcomes of that and it's more of an even playing field I'd be a bit more confident in calling it but no, I think we'll get to the top five maybe, but I don't think we're strong enough or consistent enough to to cement the playoff place. So if you got if you got a twenty-five to go with Andrew's seventy-five. Aye, all right, I'll take the twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> right, promotion, uh, and this is where I really struggle. We don't, we're not good at putting runs together throughout Murray's tenure. So to have a critical four games, I think, might be a struggle. The one bit of hope I've got is that we've cracked the midfield. If we get these uh, two guys fit and playing together, um, so I'm. I'm going to give that a bit, what did I say for the playoffs? 45, a 15% chance of promotion. I'm not, I'm not, not confident at all that if we got there, we could do it. Optimist, Andrew, go on for it. Right, well, I've said that I reckon we will be the top four. So that means we'll be in the playoffs. And at that point, it's 50-50, 50% chance promotion. Emma? 5%. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not even going there. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, it'd be incredible if it happened, but uh, 
Yeah, right. We're only six points off the top, and we've got yeah. to play Falkirk, so that takes it down to three because we always beat Falkirk. So, <laughs> uh, what a chance have we got of, of shocking everybody uh, and winning this league? I've got a 1% chance. Uh, Andrew, can, you, can your optimism extend that far? <laughs> right. Uh, I, can't, I can't believe I'm saying this on a, a podcast that's actually going to go out to people's ears. 25% chance we win this league and I get my money off the bookies. What, was it, what is, did you manage to get? Is that oh, I've got, I think when I put the bet on, we were something like um, 12 to 1. Something like that. So stuck a tenner on it. So you never know. I, I reckon if we if we finish top five, you know, it, it then goes into the split and you just have to play everybody. Right, Montrose are dying on their backside. Falkirk's bottles crashed. Partick are having a hell of a season where they beat us and draw with people. It's there. It's there for the taking. That 25% might march up a bit, you know. Oh, joking aside, I think the, I think the league is there for especially with the split, anybody that can pull a, a, a run of wins together, like Cove did at the start of the season, like Falkirk did at a point. So It's just that nobody can. Falkirk yeah. down, Cove. I mean, Cove must be looking at the results last night and tearing their hair out because they could have been down to one point with two games against Falkirk to come. Yep. But they drew with Clyde. Clyde, who we've battered the boot, like a wet track of your season. Yeah, uh, but but we think Thistle are good, but Thistle are obviously not exactly. good. Exactly. So, They've got them, I think they've got them barton tomorrow night, haven't they? Yeah. As well. I mean, that's the thing as well. The tired legs could come into this because I think you've got Forfar and Clyde have still got the cup as well going on. So you don't know how that will affect them, you know, in terms of the, the kind of running of games, you know. It's Dumbarton's five, isn't it? Dumbarton's five on Dumbarton. Thursday. It's Dumbarton's five Thursday. Yeah, I think so. Oh, you're right. I actually saw that was a running. I've got Jotty down here. Does your calculator go as uh, have as many decimal points in for this percentage of us winning the league then, Emma? <laughs> Zero. Um, I just can't see. You know, you, you said it yourself. It's all about what team can put together a run, and I don't think we're capable of putting together a run. We've not shown it. So, you know, unless as you said, you know, these the players were brought in and it just it clicks, and whatever clicked last night remains. That's it. Started. That's the run started there, Emma. That's it. Well, you've said it now. <laughs> so I'm just, I don't think, I think, yeah, 5% of the playoffs, maybe. Well, imagine we had to this podcast after the uh, after the Cove game. Like, what, what percentage <laughs> have said on any of those questions? So I, I think... Asking percentages already. I would have been talking about relegation playoffs, I think. Exactly, exactly. Okay, right, guys, thank you. Oh, we, no, we have to finish with a shout-out for Alan Portis was going to be on tonight until he realised it was his birthday and someone was throwing on my party. So a happy birthday to Alan. Uh, happy birthday. Had, yeah, I said not to have you, but it sounds far more more fun than talking about Airdrie. I'm that it's a, a party within restrictions. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's COVID compliant. It's a, party yeah, for, it's, a pa- it's a party for two out in his garden. But um, yeah, guys, thank you very much for coming on. We will we will catch up again soon. And I'd be delighted if if you're being as magnanimous as usual with your prediction review, Andrew. But thanks for coming on uh, and keep enjoying the games, keep doing the blogs, and yeah, we'll catch up soon. No.